Might have to start doing this show more frequently because every episode now it seems like there's a backlog of topics to discuss. <laughs> like Red Weekly, presented by Footy Talks. My name is Mitchell Tierney, and today is a Toronto FC game day, but one where the club will have a mountain to climb while basically playing on top of the little mountain. With that being said, it sounds like help is on the way. More transfer rumors emerging this week, and we'll discuss those ahead on the show. We also have another big guest. Uh, we're on a a good guest streak here right now. We'll have Luke Wildman, the voice of Toronto FC on TSN, will join us in just a little bit. But as always, Jeffrey P. Nesker, Michael Singh, you guys ready for another late night? Because I am not. <laughs> hey, do, do you boys smell that? I, I think that's some magic in the air, boys. Oh. I think that's some magic in the air, gentlemen. We play at Disney this... one time. Could this be? Could this be the night? Could this be the night? Miracle in Mexico. I already have a name ready. Let's do it. Wow! Nice, nice. I like it. Nothing will make me happier than when I get to recut our intro and take the shot of me with my mask off out of it, just to prove that we're back to normalcy. So I Soon. noticed that when we were watching that. Yeah. Soon yeah. we're making progress. We're making progress. Making progress. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Well, let's let's start the show, I guess, on a bit of a, a bit of a down note by talking about that that TFC loss to Cruz Azul a week ago. Um, we didn't have a post game show for that one, which uh, for for obvious Thank God. reasons, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it would have been uh, <laughs> it wouldn't have been the the greatest show, I don't think. But you know, TFC losing three one at home, Jonathan Osorio scoring the lone goal. Honestly, probably could have been a lot worse. I mean, Cruz Azul had a goal VAR'd off in the, the introduction of VAR to CONCACAF, which surprisingly helped Toronto FC. I think that was probably the biggest surprise of the game. Uh, they also uh, probably should have conceded a penalty. There was a Jonathan Osorio handball in the box that who knows? I mean, we've we've seen them given, as they say. Um, but yeah, I think that is one of the biggest takeaways from this game. And what are your guys' thoughts? Because... You know, obviously, we, we talked about how important that home leg was and didn't go anywhere near plan for Toronto FC. Can we talk about set plays? I mean, jeez, yeah. jeez. And uh, and I did not like that that comment. I mean, we're talking about magic in the air. It seems to be a theme because what was – I don't want to paraphrase. I'm going to. But what did he say when, when someone asked him if they should maybe, you know, practice defending and taking set plays? And he said, there's no magic formula to do it. Eh, that doesn't really wash, Chris, uh, uh, because by my accounts, practicing it covers both attacking and defending when you're doing it in an inter-squad training setting. So, to, mm. to his credit, I mean, he said that he took fault for that, essentially. Like, he did say, like, you know, it, it comes down to a lack of intensity and a lack of willingness to, to get to the ball. So, I mean, he said he's going to get it right. I. I believe him right now. Uh, let's just hope that, you know, it trends in the right, right direction because I don't think it can get much worse than it did against Cruz and <laughs> No, I don't think so. Either. I really I mean, don't. I, I think that's the gold standard of of not being able to defend set plays. Like, that was... I have the goals here from the show that we'll never do, but I don't know. I don't actually want to watch them ever again. Like, no, I don't horrid. know if my heart can take Absolutely it. Absolutely yeah. horrid. But that being mm. said, Jeff, like, you point out set pieces. Call me crazy if you guys want. I think okay. I still think that's a winnable game. I think that's a winnable game for Toronto. I think they're a beatable team at least, Cruz Azul. If Toronto C have you know their full arsenal of players, if you know they're playing their game and they're not giving up careless set pieces, careless giveaway by Josie Altador. Which, by the way, why does he look like he's trying so hard every time he makes a pass? 
he looks like he's trying way too hard to complete the most simple pass, but that's that's a completely different story. Um, well, before do, you get too ahead of yourself, was that a troll saying that once we have our full arsenal back? I just want to uh, make sure. <laughs> I, did, I did think of you a little bit there, but it was honestly unintentional. All right. It okay, was honestly cool. unintentional. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I really do believe that this team can't, has what it takes to earn a result. Can they score three uh, at the Azteca? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know about yeah. that. That's why I said we'll need a mir- bit of a miracle tonight if that happens. Yeah. Yeah. I think five of 11 goals I was reading. Toronto FC's conceded from dead ball situations. So that's definitely not <laughs> ideal. But that was another takeaway, as you mentioned, from the from the first leg was, you know, Cruz Azul were good. Definitely they were far and away the better team. But, I mean, they didn't from open play. It was just every and all those aforementioned chances were all FC clear breakdowns, like clear and obvious awful errors that Toronto So if there's something to take out of that, it's not it's it's the like you said, Cruz Azul could be beatable again. Um a monumental task ahead of them if they want. But yeah, it's it's you know I think that that's one thing that clearly they can they can improve on and it will instantly make things so much better. And the the thing with that as well is, you know, uh, I was saying this on Twitter, I wonder how much time they've actually spent on it in the training ground because we know they're trying to implement a new system and uh, that's probably taken a lot of the time. And I wonder if, if that's taken maybe away from set-piece training a little bit. I think that that's a, that's a fair assessment. I mean, there's only so many hours in the day and when training is already massacred by COVID protocols, uh, it can't, I mean, the proof is in the pudding guys. It can't be that high on the list of priorities, not after that game. So uh, yeah, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. Yeah. I mean, like, like Mitch said, they're probably focused on a lot of different things, but especially with the new coach coming in, I can't imagine them not practicing set pieces if, if they, they didn't. Wow. Um, but I, I bet you that was definitely a big focal point this week leading up to this match. <laughs> you know, lots of set pieces, corners, uh, you know, free kick yep. uh, set pieces, maybe even PKs, because you never know tonight. You never know tonight, folks. We could get ourselves in a in a situation where we need PKs. Um, Mike, what's I going just on flashed to... I just flashed to next week where we're like, God, they scored eight on us through the run of open play. We didn't concede a single set piece, but they absolutely destroyed us. Uh, anyway, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, what's going on, everybody in the chat? We see you guys. Mm. You guys are buzzing there. Uh, Will, Ivan, Nick, we see you, man. Um, yeah. No, we did not talk about uh, Kamar Lawrence yet, which I'm sure we will get to shortly. We have lots to say there. Um, but... <laughs> Let's let's put that let's put that Cruz Azul match in our rear view. I think we sh- we can move on now. Let's talk about some more positive things. What do you think, Mitch? Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about Kamar Lawrence. I mean, you said help. Um, according to Joshua Cloak, uh, Sam Stagegal, Paul Tenorio of the Athletic, Toronto FC, from Anderlecht to the Belgian Eight, you're making international. Um, played five seasons for the New York Red Bulls and 11 in 2018 before moving to Europe. Uh, also, his green card 2018, so he's not going to count as an international player. That's critical in how many weeks uh, in a row TFC's put away an international spot. Um, Michael, you talked last week about the, the club's 
you to move for a fullback. How much could this be back time? Uh, first of all, Mitch, your Wi-Fi sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I, not again. Exactly every word he said in that question, and I'm sure you you followed as well. So I got you. I got you. Um, yeah, last week I was talking about this. The one need that I believe TFC needed was a fullback, specifically a left back, because that's the position right now on the roster where they lack uh, the, the least amount of depth or the most amount of depth. Like, they don't have very many options at fullback besides Richie Larea, Aro, and Justin Morrow. Um, in terms of Kamar Lawrence, the player, I mean, wow. I did not believe TFC would be able to get a player of that caliber for that price. Um, especially considering he still is 28 years old and doesn't count as a, an international player. Like this is a, again, another savvy piece of business by Ali Curtis and Bill Manning. Uh, like Mitch said, it's a, a domestic player, um, who has experience playing at Andrela. He, you know, he, it's not like he wasn't in the side there either. And, you know, they got him for a cheaper price than what he was bought for a year and a half ago. So they he was, mm-hmm. I think he was bought for something around $1.45 million, and they're, they're going to get him for around 500000 which is really significant for, for obviously, the price-wise. You know, it saves TFC some money, but also because the salary budget hit. That salary, that transfer fee usually counts against the salary cap. Now, if he signs, for instance, let's say a, a three-year contract, that 500000 is divided by three and uh, tacked on top of his salary. So it's a small, small fee relatively, and again, for a player of his caliber, MLS best 11, um, you know, he, he's familiar with Ali Curtis. He's familiar with Chris Armas. They know, obviously, having spent so much time with New York Red Bulls, they know exactly the type of player that he is. He's clearly someone that they like and believe that they can fit into the system, um, a Jamaican international. And that's, that's a quality, quality piece TFC are adding to their roster, which is already a strong roster. So for them to go out and shore up their uh, weakest position, I guess, let's call it, um, by getting a player of this caliber. I think it's it's a very, again, a savvy piece of business. And one more point I want to make on that is, is it also perhaps in preparation for Richie Larea's departure? Is Are they bringing in someone like this preparing for Richie Larea to potentially move on to Europe? Uh, maybe not, you know, this summer, but perhaps after the season, because um, Richie Larea obviously has that interest. He obviously is, you know, one of the the league's best fullbacks, if not the league's best fullback right now. Um, mm-hmm. He's Toronto FC's most important player so far this season. Um, could they again? Like, could they be prepping? You know, for for Richie to depart and shift Aro back to his natural right back position and have Kamar Lawrence be their full time left back moving forward. Where there's smoke, there's fire, Mike. Uh, I just wanted to interject. Uh, I've actually met him. I mean, before we had a, a show on uh, on Footy Talks, I used to get Mitch to put me on the guest list on all Footy Talks events, and uh, Kamar spoke at that uh, that pregame rally for the uh, for the Canadian men's national team. Uh, he was there with uh, Scotty Arfield. Um, I think you Oh man, I am thinking of Kamar Miller. Sorry. <laughs> 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 edit button 
I'm sure. I'm sure Kamar Lawrence is still a good guy. Because when you were saying that, I'm like Jamaican international. Why is he? Why is he played for the Red Bulls oh, too? Oh man! Why and you even said he... it. You even said it before. Can we get Kamal Miller instead? I really like him. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Right, no, moving he, on. Moving he's, on. He's with Montreal, man. We can't. We can't be asking for those players as much as nice. Mitch likes to ask about Sam Piet here. We can't be doing that here. Um, but yeah, let's. What do you What do you guys think of the transfer though? Overall, I mean, we can't ask Jeff because Jeff thinks he's Kamal Miller. So, Mitch, what do you think of the transfer? Damn. <laughs> oh. oh no. One second here, boys. I'm gonna have to rejoin. I think the the Wi-Fi is cutting out. No but, worries. Um, no worries. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's uh... talk about Kamal Miller. <laughs> <laughs> God, I'm sorry to the entire planet. That was that was. That, I want a mulligan for that one. Um, That's all right. Yeah. What's going on, Rick? Cool. We see you there in, in the chat. Great point about Luria potentially leaving. Yeah, man. Like, I think that the interest is real. And on extra time, uh, the MLS official podcast this past week, Richard Luria was a guest. And on that show, he was asked, uh, you know, still potentially what are his aspirations? And obviously, this is a guy who had a significant ascension. Um, you know, with the last couple of years with Toronto FC, he really broke on, broke onto the scene, made that fullback position his own, you know, almost, almost in his own sort of way. He revo- almost revolutionized that fullback position for Toronto FC because it was a team that really lacked some width and Richie Larea was that guy to give them that option. So with him breaking onto the scene now, we got to ask, he's still, what, 26 years old? What's the next step for this guy? And for Richie Larea, on, on extra time, he was saying like he still does want to go to Europe. That still is his ap- aspirations. Maybe it's not right now, but at a certain point, hey, why it's not? It's got to be soon. It has it's, to be soon, Mike. You know. Yeah, not, I mean, he's he's getting up there for sure. And another point I want to make is, yeah, we have that that link to Besiktas, which, uh, which I mean, just isn't going away. And funny enough, Richie Larea's best friend is is Kyle Laren. So yeah, we can talk about the Atiba Hutchinson links, but also there's there's that link there with Kyle Laren and and Richie. So I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna push that rumor to the side. I just I just don't know if it's gonna happen right now, but be on the lookout for it because I really do believe Richie wants to get there. And Mitch. he's got to go soon. He's 26 years old. He's got you know if he's gonna go, he's got to go soon. Yeah, exactly. He's not getting any younger. Mitch, are you back with us? Yeah, hopefully I'm back with us, and I think our guest is is actually with us as well. So um, we'll get amazing. I'm in here in a moment. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully the Wi-Fi holds up here. I'm not sure. Uh, not sure what uh, what's going on elsewhere in the house, but um, now joined <laughs> by Luke Wildman, the voice of Toronto FC on TSN. How you doing, Luke? Hey, good to be with you. Thanks for the invite today. Of course, Luke, and Absolutely. we're really happy to have you. Um, I was telling my girlfriend, I was like, yo, we're going to have another really good show this week. We got Luke Wildman on. And t- keep in mind that she's a very casual, casual soccer fan. Like, definitely not a diehard, doesn't watch all the games at all. So she's like, who's that? Um, and without hesitation, I was just like, Jose Altador. And then she's like, oh, that guy. I'm like, yeah, that guy. That's the guy. So, yeah, super excited to have you on here, Luke. Like, really, really looking forward to this. There's, there's a lot of times when um, sometimes you meet people and they don't, they just watch the games. They don't see the pregame show or watch it. So they don't actually know what you look like. Um, it didn't happen to me, but I was with Stephen Caldwell when the all-time greatest moment like that happened. 
Um, and it was in Atlanta after TFC won in the Eastern Conference uh, final last year. Was it last year now? 2019, forever ago. Mm -hmm. Last time we actually were able to travel to do uh, some soccer games. Um, and we were outside the locker room in the cavernous um, underneath of Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Um, and the TFC players and staff and some family were coming out of the locker room. And, and um, um, Sloan Stevens is standing just a few yards over from where we were waiting for Josie to come out. And somebody came over to Stevie and Stevie starts talking, right? And in his accent and talking loudly so she could hear. And she, she says, oh my goodness, it's you. <laughs> I didn't know it was you. You're the guy I listen to when I'm watching Josie playing, right? So Steve's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, oh, I love you. I love you. So, so that was the best time that that moment happened with uh, with Sloane Stevens recognizing <laughs> that she was standing next to football flash broadcasting royalty in Stephen Caldwell outside there you of go. in Atlanta. There you Amazing. go. That's awesome. Awesome. Stuff. <laughs> I, I told Jeff he wasn't allowed to do an impression. I didn't think it would be Michael that uh, <laughs> ended up doing one. <laughs> it was pretty um, good, though, eh? It was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, just no, trying sure, to deal yeah, with my yeah. cotton. Uh, any kind of impersonation is fine, to be honest with you. I mean, at least at least it means that somebody uh, cares or wants to listen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mitch. Well, uh -oh. Hopefully, bearing with my Wi-Fi here, um, I uh, I don't want to bring it to a bit of a downer, but how much have you missed uh, BMO Field and being live something like that? Yeah, you know, it, it's um, first of all, it's a real privilege to still be able to do what we love doing in this time, right? When a lot of people aren't able to. Um, and that wasn't lost on me, especially last summer in August when we got the chance to be back at BMO for those two or three games, even though the, the stands were empty. Um, it was it was special to be able to be there and, and be back inside. Um, it's always better when you're calling a game in person. For a few years now, we've we've been doing some of the road games off, off monitor anyway. So that's not as difficult for a play-by-play -play person, I think, as it is for the analyst, because the, the analyst wants to see the whole pitch. They want to see the trends that are going on in the game. Um, for me, calling the game, um, it's it's not as big a deal uh, watching it off the monitor. But what you really miss, and it's probably the same for some of the players, I, I've heard them say it, it, it's just the energy that the stadium brings. Those big moments when you're able to ride with the crowd and, and get excited along with what is going on in the stadium. Um, obviously, it's nowhere near the same. It, it's, it's a lot more. I actually find it easier calling games off monitor when there is the artificial crowd noise being pumped into to the stadium and into our headset um, because even though it's not perfect it still gives you some kind of a lift um, like the MLS's back tournament was just great to be be back seeing games and being able to call games but um, it was really quiet when you're used to having something there in your headset and all you can hear is the crowd noise or even specific instructions from Greg Vanny um, but yeah, it's been it's been interesting, and and hopefully we're getting towards the end now. It was great to to see some of the games already early on in the season. I know it's different, different and difficult for the Canadian teams, but some of the the crowds that they've had in Major League Soccer and um, you know Atlanta in a few weeks are going to have almost a full full house at Mercedes Benz. Um, so uh, we're getting there. Obviously, it's not going to be the same ever until we get to sit back in BMO Field and see everybody and, and the energy of the South End and um, just what that can bring to a broadcast into a game. Um, hopefully, it's sooner rather than later, but but who knows with that one. But yeah, it's it, it, it gets... 
by the end of last year, I was, I was, I'd had enough of calling games with nobody in the stadium. It, it just, it, it just, it's a completely different, different beast in terms of uh, the energy that that you you feed off. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm having tr- I'm having cognitive dissonance here because your image behind the standard bookcase is burned into my cornea. So this new location is making me a little weird. But uh, uh, I'm gonna, uh, you know. Here we go. What's your what's your all time favorite goal call, and why is it Josie Altidore sets BMO alight on its biggest night? See, that's the boring answer, right? And it is <laughs> it is the boring answer. Um, why why is because I felt I I called a good call. Um, I enjoyed it. It was a moment that had been a long time coming. Um, I think everything everything plays into that moment in that it's the pinnacle of for somebody who I moved I moved here in 2006 just before TFC was starting. So I've been there. I was on row one of the press box the, for that first home game against Kansas City. I think it was the Wizards at that point before they. <laughs> I think I think they were the um, Wiz, never the Wizards. It was always no, the well, Wiz. Yeah, but... <laughs> I refuse to call them the Wiz. Um, um, I, w- I was there, you know, the, the, the seat cushion day. So to go through all of that and to spend some time in the front office, um, initially working with the club there and before that with Fan 590 doing some doing the games the first year and then moving to TV and Gold TV, TSN and going through so many dark days in terms of calling games. And it's not like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a TFC fan. I, mm-hmm. I have an affinity with all three Canadian teams. I, I want them all to do well for the growth of Major League Soccer and for these teams here. But we needed a moment where Toronto and Ontario and to a certain extent across the country, their eyes were fixed on Major League Soccer. And it was even mm-hmm. better that it came after what went the year before when the penalty shootout, the loss. Um, that's why I think as a, as a first time, I don't think that would have been as big a moment if it had happened in that 2016 final. Because what made it even more of a special moment was everything that had gone leading up to that. And, and up, TFC, yeah. it, wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't have been TFC to just go and win it the first final they were in. <laughs> you, know, you have to go through the pain and the heartbreak to be able to get to that moment. And having known that the year before, um, on a Saturday night, there were more people watching MLS Cup than Hockey Night in Canada. And the mm-hmm. fact that the, a year after... That, that everybody who had their eyes fixed on that moment was was pretty special. So that's the reason behind it. Um, and just the the way that BMO Field was was erupting when that goal went in. And also the fact that as a commentator, you want it to be a moment on a big moment like that where it's not a scramble in the six-yard box. You have no idea who got the last touch. Are VAR going to pull it back? Is it going to mm-hmm. be, you know, is it an own goal? Did it go off somebody's shin? Was it like, you know, on the way to take a deflection? You want it to be nice and clear cut so that you can have that call. You've got it. You know who it is. Um, you're not going to screw it up and say it's the wrong person. Um, so, yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's why so, that's number one. And uh, it'll it'll take some beating because even if they got to another MLS Cup, like that, that, mm-hmm. that first one and that first moment there um, is is difficult to beat. Okay, did you practice? Did you did you Neil Armstrong it? Did you know you were going to go for that full alliteration beforehand or did it just um, because it's like it was like Yates. It was ridiculous. Like it was it was perfect. Um, you know what? I I, I think. I think it might have been something that I had gone through in my head. Uh, I hadn't written anything down. Um, the year before, actually, um, 
we were sitting in the, the TSN studios doing the Premier League coverage on the morning of the MLS Cup against Seattle the first time around. And um, the games were going on and we were just sitting chatting and uh, it's me, Stevie and KJ. And KJ said, uh, so what are you going to say when, when they win it tonight? <laughs> I said, what, what do you mean? He's like, well, for final call, you know, it's going to live forever. you got to nail it. you got to get it right. <laughs> what you? So I said, well, I don't know. I mean, you come up with something. So we KJ came up with a couple of different versions and I've got the, I've got them in my head and nice. um, even I think Seattle won and it was like they'd been bottom in July and I came out with from worst to first or something that was KJ's yeah. line right that was KJ who'd given me that one earlier in the day so then the following year I'd actually thought about some of the different things but it has to be it has to be something in the moment it has to be like that call doesn't work if Josie's not jumping into the fans arms and everyone's right. going crazy right yeah so um yeah I think I I'd formulated a few thoughts about it but not actually in that way in that order at you know thinking about that specific time iconic awesome. iconic iconic that'll, very that'll iconic. forever be synonymous with you know <laughs> it's the weird, that, that's that's obviously the top one there are other moments like the vasquez goal was great the even the end of the when they won the supporters shield at home there are there are other weird goals down the years as well but one of the other ones that i would put up there wasn't even a tfc goals latan's 500th career goal at BMO, just the way that he scored it, with the way that the fans were standing applauding, this guy, this legend of the game that I'd grown up um, watching, admiring, like to do that in Toronto. Uh, there, are, there aren't many times you're calling a game and you know that that moment is going to be seen around the world. Mm -hmm. It's your call or not, it doesn't matter. But you're in the stadium for something that happens that everybody around the world is going to see and look at. Um, so that's up there as well, but I mean, it's not ever going to beat, uh, calling a Canadian <laughs> yeah. team winning an MLS cup. That's spinning. very, uh, unprofessional noises in the, uh, in the, uh, <laughs> uh media room when that, uh, when that goal went in. Yeah, well, that's... that's a good thing. I can, I can pass off noises as, as commentary, right? So that's, a, yeah. I, the, the no cheering rule in the press box is, does, does not quite apply. Although I, I'm, I'm very, very wary or cognizant of the fact that we're calling it for a national audience and i'm not mm -hmm. you know if seattle wins it um the moment might not seem as joyous because we're calling it for a canadian audience but it's still a big moment and when they're winning it at home in front of sixty-five thousand people and the goals are going in and the crowds like that i that that draws me along mm -hmm. as well right and and um that like you say it's something that you miss when you're when you're calling the games in empty stadiums of yep. course. Um, let's take things back to TFC, the present day TFC right now. Um, early on, there haven't been some of the prettiest, uh, prettiest moments for Toronto FC. In your opinion, is it too early to kind of, you know, have some takeaways about this team given, you know, the injury situation and, you know, it's just the start of Chris Armis's tenure? Or do you have some takeaways that you can kind of take out from, from those first five matches? Yeah, I, I think it's too early to either be um, too despondent and too down about things. Um, or, I mean, I don't think anybody's getting carried away after what we've seen so far. There's a lot of work to be done and a lot of changes in terms of the way that um, they need to improve. Um, but I think I think it's always, it's always tricky to judge anything when you're in a position where they're playing Champions League and playing 
uh, MLS games as well. Squad's not complete. We know now that Soteldo's coming in, probably Kamal Lawrence as well, which which is going to be make a difference. You know, this was a, a team that didn't do anything in the offseason apart from add a new coach and a new coaching staff. And I, I like what Chris Armas has to say about where he is and where he wants to go to. Um, I do think that defensively they're suspect, and we've seen that from set pieces in the opening weeks of the season. I, I think that um, slightly hard to judge in terms of the games we've seen with Montreal and Vancouver in Major League Soccer. I didn't think they'd get by Leon, and they managed to dig deep and find a way to do that. Um, you know, looking ahead to tonight, I, I actually don't think it's – I don't think it would have been the worst thing if they'd lost to Leon last time out in terms of having to juggle two competitions. Although the good thing now with the Champions League is there's a break and you don't, you don't restart it until the middle of summer. Um, but I, I think I think they are going to be a team that is around the top four of, of the Eastern Conference. Whether they're going to be one of the top two, I'm not sure. I think there's still a lot of questions that we have to see answers to first in terms of how when everybody's fit. How long it's going to take Pozuelo to get back is one thing, but how, when everybody is fit, he's going to fit all the pieces in. I mean, Soteldo comes in. If he plays the way he does, who's playing in midfield? If Pozuelo's in, where's Osorio going to fit into that? Um, mm -hmm. Who's playing on the right side? Is it still going to be Marky Delgado or are they going to, you know, is it going to be Bradley and Osorio? You know, there are so many different questions. Is he going to change the formation depending which pieces he's able to bring in? Um, where's Richie Larea going to play? Is he going to play Arrow and, and, uh, um, Lawrence. Lawrence is the fullbacks. Is Lawrence yeah. going to play on the left side of a back three? Like, you know, the sample size is too small right now to be able to see. But I think by the time we come out of that Gold Cup break, you know, it's a tricky few weeks because these are difficult games coming up for TFC. The Red Bulls, Columbus a couple of times, Orlando, NYC. These aren't your Cincinnati's. So, <laughs> you know, it's going to be a difficult, difficult few weeks and they need to start picking up some points. Very difficult. Absolutely. Um, Let's let's talk a little bit about tonight, Luke. Is is there a chance that we see a miracle in Mexico? Did TFC have what it takes uh -oh. to score three goals? Uh, you know, um, three goals tonight at, at the Azteca. I think we lost him. Did we lose Luke for there? Uh, he might come back. Hold on, I mean, one still... second. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Okay, he lost his you, video. You can still hear me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. I've lost go. the camera for some reason, so no um, worries, no worries. This is this is technology. Did you hear the question, Luke? I heard the question, yeah, and I'm just uh, just trying to find the camera again and uh, give him see if there's any more diplomatic way to put it. Um, no, it's like I, talking I think... the how. I love it. <laughs> oh, here we go. Start camera. That's probably the one. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, big, the big red button at the bottom of the screen with a thing that says start camera. I'm trying to unplug it, plug it back in. If someone does Fantastic. this for you when you're on the television, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when, exactly. when you're stuck in the basement, it's. Uh, <laughs> um, I think I think the difficulty is that Cruz Azul are a team right now that are playing extremely well. They're a team that has an identity. They're a team that has a pace about what they do. They're a team that is probably right now one of the top one if not two in Liga MX, on a long unbeaten run. You're going to the Azteca. Um, you haven't got a fully fit squad. Um, I just think that Cruz Azul will have too much for TFC tonight. Uh, we've, we've seen it before. And to be honest, there are so many times I mentioned about Leon in the first game, um, not really giving them much of a chance there. And they proved me wrong um, mm -hmm. in both legs. 
because even after the first leg, I thought, okay, well, Leon probably in the second leg are going to have too much. They'll realize what they didn't do in the first leg. They'll come out. Um, I'll just look back to 2018. And I'm trying to think which the game was. It might have been the first leg of the final against Chivas. It was either that one or the Club America game. You guys mm-hmm. might have a better memory than me. Once you once you get to my age, you have to write everything down. I, I know I'm not, I'm not get like out of here. that age early 40s. And I seriously, I cannot remember as much now as I when I was when I was like early 20s and doing games, I could remember every every single detail of every game that happened in the last decade, right? But now mm-hmm. I think once you have kids and it's like, ah, uh, anyway. It's also, it's also, I mean, you've got extra decades now, right? Well, that's like, true. Lot, that is true. It's a, it's a decades, much yeah. bigger sample size. So, don't so I remember so being sat on sat on the gardener underneath the uh, underneath the gardener because, as usual, the gardener traffic was a disaster. So you think, <laughs> okay, I'm going to get out of this and get to BMO by going on the lakeshore and it won't be a problem. Mm-hmm. And then the lakeshore is even worse. And then you realize how many times I'm going to do this before I realize <laughs> it's stupid. Um <laughs> So it was about, I don't know, 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon ahead of the game at night. And we get the we get the lineup sent to us ahead of time to prepare the broadcast. And it was either Chivas or Club America. And it came through and it had five, six first-time re- team regulars missing. And it was like Ashton Morgan was playing in the team. There was a whole there was a whole whack of of guys who wouldn't usually have been in there playing in different positions and all that sort of stuff. And I thought, okay, here we go. This is it. It's a waste of, you know, what's the point even turning up? Because there's no way they're going to be able to hang in this game or whatever. It's done. They haven't got. And they went out and they managed to to prove everybody wrong and and had a run that in the end was uh, equal, if not better than any other MLS team has ever had. Um, So never write TFC off. But going into Mexico on the Azteca tonight, write them off. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm happy I'm happy to be proved wrong, but just having seen that first leg and so early in Chris Armas's time when he's still trying to get his ideas and his mentality into it, if you've got Pozuelo and you've got Soteldo and you've got Kamal Lawrence and you're, you're another two months into it and everybody knows their roles and they know how they're playing and they're the defending set pieces a bit better, um, then sure, I, I would back this club on any night, on any occasion, um, but not tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Let's finish on this then, Luke. Uh, another <laughs> weekend on TSN uh-huh. against the New York Red Bulls, and that's just because it's against his former team. How much of a the new coach in terms of you know wanting to up is is better than his former? Did you discern well, that, Luke? Or, yeah, or I, I think it's to... okay. yeah, I, I think it's okay. about Chris Armas going back to the Red Bulls, wanting to prove you know that he's now at a better club. Um, oh my goodness! <laughs> how big of a statement is that? Yeah. When we did footy talks last year, there was there was one show when we had Dero on. Oh no, we, we had Dero on our show as well. Right. Well, we I hope his internet notes. connection was better than yours because he's got a <laughs> by the way. We yeah, it wasn't. Luke, Luke, it, it wasn't. It wasn't at all. Great job yeah. done by Brendan Dunlop and Dero there on the book, which is coming out soon. Yeah. Um, but I, but Dero couldn't hear a thing, so I'm writing writing things down onto a piece of paper to hold up on the camera. <laughs> you, you were using <laughs> like, props. You were like, Here book, in Montreal, tell us about talk about that book. for two minutes, and then it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we I, were taking notes. We we went first, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, we, it was very much appreciated. We saw a pro, how a pro would have done it. We were just like, ah, what do we do? Anyway, I, I think after everything that's gone on with Chris Armas, Ali Curtis as well. Um, you know, this is going to be a game with a lot more meaning. 
Um, Chris Armas will probably give the answer that everyone would expect in that, yeah, it's a, it's a bit special, but right now I'm at a different club. Doesn't matter. You know, what, what we do here is more important than going back and proving point to anybody else. Um, any time, any day, any year going into Red Bull Arena is always going to be an issue. And it has been for TFC on a number of occasions down the years. I remember, you know, four or five goal defeats or or players getting sent off or, um, you know, even back to that rainy night at Giant Stadium on Goal TV back in 2009, was it? When they lost 5-0, needed a point to get in the playoffs, lost 5-0. The storm delayed us for however long and it was an absolute disaster. Um but yeah, this this is going to mean so much more to Chris Armas because of the way that they left. Uh, but also, I, I think there is that certain point where he's still got a team right now that isn't, although he's made some changes and it's it's very much a Chris Armas team in the way they want to play. It's not a Chris Armas team in that they haven't had enough time yet to, to get them into the standard, the actual level that he wants and the way that he wants them to play. So while I think he would not love nothing more than to go there and come away with a, a positive result on, on Saturday, I don't think it's all doom and gloom if they they go, um, you know, in terms of the decision that he's made and is TFC a bigger club than the Red Bulls or what he's what he's got there, all that sort of stuff, um, you know, that, that doesn't, doesn't really hinge on the outcome of Saturday. Although I will say, you know, the Red Bulls have struggled a little bit at the start of the season. They got a win last weekend. Gerhard Struber still finding a way to <laughs> get into <laughs> it nice. <laughs> um, so we'll, see. we'll see. But, I, I, you know, Chris Armas would love to bring Je- uh, Jefferson Soteldo off the bench on Saturday for the last 10 minutes and him banging the winning goal at Red Bull Arena and to be able to, uh, to leave there with three points in his pocket, I'm sure, nothing more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the struggles there a little bit, Luke, and here, here's a little tidbit for you. 13-2-2 is the New York Red Bulls record at home against Toronto FC. 13 wins, two losses, two draws. Yeah. So, I mean, what a, what a statement it would be for Chris Armas to go into there and pick up three points against that team. Yeah, that uh, be- and mm-hmm. when you look at that and you look at what they've done in recent years there, I go back to that the playoff win in um, 2017 Um, and to be able to go in there during the playoffs and do that against the Red Bulls just showed you what a special team that was, right? And showed Mm -hmm. you how um, ultimately going on to win MLS Cup um, was about a group that had an ability to get the job done. And although there are still a lot of players within the TFC team now, that 2017 team had something that was uh, was special. And, you know, I, I don't think, yes, there's big game experience amongst the TFC lineup at the moment, but there isn't still that, that intangible of knowing that in any game, at any moment, you can win it. Um, mm-hmm. And you get that by going through a season like they did with that Supporters' Shield winning season, driven by a lot of the players. Michael Bradley, of course, is still there. But, you know, just seeing someone like, Victor Vasquez and what he's now doing at LA Galaxy, um, you know, how crucial he was to that team that year. Um, but, but to be able to go into the Red Bulls on that night in the playoffs, like you say, in a place where in the past it's not been good, um, just showed you how good that moment was. I think there was a win a couple of years ago before that on opening day when they scored it 1-2-0 and they scored a penalty. Marky Delgado got a goal that day. But yeah, wins few and far between it. Uh, at Harrison, New Jersey, which, which is one of the stadiums that I, 
I miss the most actually going to. Nice um, stadium. If it was full, doesn't it, it smell? If it was isn't full, like incredible. A... But it's 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 probably as close to the European tile stadium as you're going to get. Yeah. In terms of the bowl that's in there, the closeness mm-hmm. to the the seats, the fact that we got to stay in a really swanky hotel on the Hudson River, looking across to Manhattan, and you know it's a thirty <laughs> minute cap journey to go and walk around Manhattan all day, um, and then do the game at night. Um, and actually, the broadcast position there, they when that when they made Red Bull Arena, they had the broadcast booths, really nice booths on the the executive level. Um, right in the middle. And then they thought, why are we putting the broadcasters in there? We can sell these booths. <laughs> we can pay a lot more money. And, and they get a great view run halfway. Well, where can we put the broadcasters? Because we've got this really nice new stadium and we're going to take their booth away. And there's not really any more space to build another booth. Oh, I know. We'll put them on the roof. Right? So, <laughs> I was going to say, get out of here. Yeah, so yeah. you go all the way up to the top. You go on the fire escape out onto the roof of the stadium. Get out of here. If you look to the left, if you go out to the left when you get up there, you can actually look down. There aren't very many like high barriers. You can look down and see everybody coming in. Like, And if Stevie wanted yeah, to push no. me off, I, I would be gone. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, um, no. No, sir. You turn and they basically put these two porter cabins on top of the roof. Um, which you call the game from, which is a fantastic view when you're up there. Yeah. Um, and it Did sounds you have to sign a release. It, it sounds horrendous, but actually some of the best views are those types of views where, um, you know, a couple of them in England where you would go up a, at Norwich City to get to the TV gantry. You'd go up the outside of the stand on an actual ladder with a, a thing around and you're climbing up to the top with, all, with your bag on your back and you go along the roof down and you're just hanging suspended on this gantry from the roof. But the view is incredible, right? <laughs> well, sometimes you have to take one for the team in order to. Uh, but no, Red Bull Arena is much safer than that. But great view, uh, I, and unfortunately, we'll be calling the game off monitor at the weekend. But uh, so it won't be quite the same. Um, mm. But yeah, it's um, and also the other thing about that is you get to go to uh, Carlos's Bake Shop in Hoboken on on the day of the game just to stock up on on great cakes and stuff. So yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be weighted down with all of that sugar when you're trying to scale Everest in order to call the game. I would just, that's just my well, personal opinion. I, I will say the, 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 a big benefit to not being on the road all the time is I'm 20 pounds lighter. Seriously, <laughs> you, go, you go away and you start in March and we used to be going away every weekend, especially if we were, there was a season where we did even more Vancouver games than TFC, um, mm-hmm. the way the schedules worked out. And I was going to the West coast and I'm coming back from a game at night walking back from BC place past all these like McDonald's and all these different places and taking three slices of pizza and at the equivalent <laughs> of two in the morning, Eastern time, right? right, right, right. The hotel from Salt Lake and everyone going to the bar. Oh, I'll have a Caesar salad and throw me some fries and all that. Like it, it just, you can't live like that um, <laughs> without, without it causing a problem. Right. Cause also you're spending much more time in planes and things like that, which yeah, means yeah, yeah. be able to do as much exercise and, uh, I never met a hotel gym that I actually liked. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, so that, that's that's the only one of the small benefits, apart from having a lot more time at home, is that uh, that you 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 eat a lot less and um, actually uh, are in better shape calling games off monitor than, than all that travel and being on the road. Sweet, <laughs> awesome, sweet stuff. Luke. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna play Mitch the because he's he's uh, he's missing an action. His uh, his internet is gone, and and thank you for your time. And, no problem. Uh, Super generous, Luke. Absolutely, absolutely. It was a pleasure to do this, and uh, we look forward to hearing you call uh, 
on the weekend and uh let's uh let's go reds no worries i'll just show you one thing here because because no one's actually picked up on it yet but you Mm. mentioned that i moved my studio and it it all came about it i I used to be in one of the kids bedrooms and then the kid actually needed the bedroom so i had to move (laughs) um so now i'm in the basement but but one of the things i got hopefully my camera doesn't because it does the red card zoom thing before but this is the the there we go oh oh, no oh Oh, no good (laughs) good okay this is the only tfc bobblehead ever made Right? Yeah, the the Julian, Julian de Guzman bottlehead. Yeah, yeah. Julian de Guzman, and it was actually I don't know if you guys remember it. They they weren't even giving it away at BMO Field. It was a giveaway at the Marlies. Oh on, wow! On Marley TFC night, because if you remember a long time ago, there was actually a um, Marlies and TFC like TFC night. Yeah, they Marley used to TFC offer me tickets all the time. I think I took them up on it once or twice. And they were giving away this Julian de Guzman bobblehead. Wow. So, that's it. There you go. A piece of TFC history there. With, have, uh, have you Mike, shown that you, to Julian? Mike, um, if you want it, you because, yeah. It's funny because when he came in for the playoffs last year, I, uh, and someone said, oh, it's great to have Julian on the broadcast for the first time. I said, you obviously haven't been paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> because he's been there all the time. So there you go. Awesome stuff. Top <laughs> shell stuff. As people in our chat, chat are saying, you know, Luke's the best. Uh, great go out, Luke, well, thanks. Yeah. yeah, but Luke, again, thank you very again. much. Super generous with your time. And one of these Anytime. days... We'll have to have you on longer because you have plenty of stories to tell as we're, we're uh, you know, we've been witness to today. So thank yeah, you. Again. Yeah, yeah. It's always good to chat, especially when you're home uh, with three kids all day. It's, uh, it's nice to get a little <laughs> break. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Cheers, Cheers. Luke. Of course, All that right. was so, that was Luke okay. Wildman, uh, the voice of Toronto C, TSN play-by-play, and you know, top shelf guest. So uh, thank you, Luke, for for joining in. Um, I'm just gonna grab my charger here so my laptop doesn't die. Man, everybody, everybody's going down. The prep for this episode was just, just, man, gold standard. Uh, gold um, standard. I didn't get to ask him about uh, how often he practices uh, pronunciation, so I'll have to uh, table that question for next time. It's okay. And, I'm uh, sure it would have been another like 15 minute answer because oh he man, was he ever engaged? Oh my yeah. goodness! Oh my goodness! Uh, Mike, what do you want to do? You want to next on the rundown? We got Liam Frazier and then let's the, do it. Uh, Mike. Yeah, let's talk Liam. So uh, you want to you want to set the table? Of course, um, of course. Liam Frazier was officially loaned out on Monday, which was yesterday. Um, he got sent to the defending MLS Cup champions Columbus Crew. Um, he's reunite there with Tim Bezbachenko, who, of course, I believe signed Liam Frazier originally uh, to a homegrown contract. So it's someone who he's familiar with. And in exchange, TFC are receiving $50,000 in our favorite kind of currency, general allocation money. So more salary cap room. So overall, um, my instant takeaway is it's an opportunity for Liam Frazier finally. It's an opportunity Mm -hmm. that he gets that he never got here in Toronto. So with Aiden Morris going down there, with with Aiden Morris going down there for Columbus Crew, um, you know, Liam Frazier now has a chance to really step in and they like what they see out of Liam so far. I mean, they had a really great press release, uh, you know, really touting um, Liam and what he could do. And, you know, it's something that we've been hyping up here on our show for a very long time. So let's see if he gets this fair, fair run of play and if he can take advantage of it because he, he has ability to play a specific role for Columbus and perhaps he can shine. Two caveats. Uh, the first came through uh, due diligence on the WTR threads, and that is he cannot take the field playing against TFC. 
which I it, it sounds MLSy enough that I think it may be true. And the second was um, my knee jerk reaction was a big old WTF. Uh, and then as I as I started to uh, think about it a bit, it's just the Columbus thing. I mean, it's not even Bezbachenko uh, reunited. It was the fact you know that we're giving a prospect to a um, uh, our direct competition and the reigning MLS uh, Cup champions who have just I mean they've got BWP as a super sub like how deep can this team possibly be um, and it occurred to me that uh, what was it <sighs> something about location and COVID uh, probably played into this transfer uh, more more so than than the Bezbachenko angle or at least I'm allowing for that margin how so, so that it doesn't well just you know travel restrictions and stuff like that I, ju I just i want to believe that there's uh, a, a certain pandemic uh uh angle to this transfer that press that precipitated going to columbus i don't understand i mean they, they play Neither in the do states. I. so does every Neither other do team I. in the states play in the states i, I, I just I, I just don't like I, I i'm just i'm reaching i'm reaching for excuses because i don't like the fact that we went to columbus well, i think it's also like there aren't many teams no offense to liam fraser right now but mm. that would that are able to take on a Liam Frazier onto their, their roster and guarantee Fair. him in a competitive environment to, to have minutes. Like we don't know how many suitors were actually out there for Liam Frazier and how many suitors were willing to give up an, a little bit of, of general allocation money for him in return. Maybe TFC needed that 50,000, you know, an allocation money to turn around and sign Kamar Lawrence. We don't have the book. So potentially yeah, that's yeah. also a factor, but I think that the big thing is is the Tim Bezbachenko familiarity. Is is Liam Frazier is going to be, you know, perhaps going into a system that um, I don't want to say he's too familiar with, but like he'll be at least aware of. Mm -hmm. And Richard's asking here in the chat, is he guaranteed time? Time though, I don't know if there's an actual guarantee in his contract, but if Columbus is taking him on loan. I'd imagine that there is some sort of guarantee from Columbus that this guy is going to get minutes. And again, Aiden Morris, who was the 19-year-old homegrown prospect who was you know, just tearing up the scene there in Columbus mm -hmm. early on, he went down with a season-ending injury there in the midfield. So there is a really big need uh, for someone like Liam Frazier there in Columbus. Let's just, as I, I spoke to Jonathan Osorio about this yesterday, actually, about oh, Liam wow. Frazier's mood, because Liam Frazier is someone who... Or he looked up to Osorio a lot. Right, right. Like he, he's he's been on record saying like Osorio is one of the his his role models at the club. He's someone who asks questions, and Osorio is also a Canadian who kind of paved his way at, for Toronto FC. So they have a really you know deep connection there. And Osorio put it kind of kind of the best way. He said that it wasn't Liam Fraser's fault. Liam Fraser didn't do anything really wrong. This is just sort of a breath of fresh air for him, a fresh start, and hopefully like he takes advantage of that because that's all he's been sort of asking for is a real mm -hmm. opportunity, which of course he didn't get in Toronto with the amount of midfield depth that they have. So, I mean, does this, does this move hurt Toronto FC? I don't know if it, if it does too much to be honest with you, because Liam Frazier barely gets played anyways. Yeah. Um, and they have other options who have emerged this season. Of course, we're talking about Ralph Preso and Noble Akello. They've emerged mm -hmm. significantly as, as death pieces, let alone the Osorio, the Delgados, the, the Bradley. Conundrum, Luke, yeah, yeah, exactly. Luke, Luke was asking about, you know, where's Osorio going to play in the midfield when Soteldo gets in the lineup? 
I mean, where was Liam Frazier going to play in the midfield once Satelda gets to the lineup? You know what it's I mean? True. So it's true. If there was one position, one player, maybe that they could have loaned out, it is Liam Frazier. Um, another tidbit that I'll add, I've, I've heard this. I haven't confirmed it. I've heard it from a couple people, though, that um, Liam Frazier is entering the last year of his contract with Toronto FC. So could this be the end of Liam Frazier's time with Toronto? I mean, there, there is a possibility. There's also a possibility he re-ups and re-signs here because this is the one place that he he's told us he's, he wants to succeed. There's nothing mm-hmm. like pl- occupying the middle of the park for your hometown club. There's sure. no feeling like that in the world, he said. So there, there is still his hope that he does come back, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if this is the end of Liam Frazier's time in Toronto. Anything we got a else question. On that? Yeah. yeah, we got a question. Does he count as a domestic? And I'm of the opinion that he occupies an international slot for Columbus. Canadian players are internationals uh, when they cross the border. And we've been rallying about that little stupidity in MLS roster rules for a very long time. So I'm prepared to make that my answer. Um, I believe that's the case, yeah. And that's that's another reason why there I believe there weren't too many suitors for, for Liam Frazier. Yeah. Yeah. And if it if it came down between, you know, loaning him to to Montreal or loaning him to Columbus, I think ten out of ten times he'd choose Columbus just because, you know, Montreal is our immediate rival. <laughs> uh, so that that's sort of my opinion. Obviously his history with the White Caps as well. I don't mm-hmm. know how much he would have loved to go back to that organization, but um uh, I again, like I, I just think it's a it's a fresh start great for Liam Frazier. Great swap for Sam Piet. I know Mitch isn't here, but great swap for Sammy P. You know, we'll we'll throw Mitch will in get all over that. All <laughs> over that. Um, anything else to add here on Liam Frazier before we move on, Jeff? No, I'm just gonna uh, sort out the Michael Singh injury update. So tell me when to roll it. All right, let's do it whenever you're ready. All right. It's the Michael Singh Injury Report. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> another edition of the Michael Singh Injury Report. Shout out Kevin for that for that voiceover because that was that was awesome and great stuff, Jeff, making that intro. Um, the good news, guys, is we have a, a shorter injury report to you know to to go through now. Um, mm-hmm. the The team is getting healthier. Uh, so, you know, we, we can talk about Achara and Julian Dunn, who are still going to be out for the, the, I guess, foreseeable future. Nothing too mm-hmm. extreme. Eric Zangardo goes under that, that belt, too. Um, one thing about Achara is I, I saw him post some, some clips of himself training on Instagram, and he looks good. Achara okay. looks good. So I hear I mean, he's I getting half his salary in Bitcoin now, which was uh, interesting. I saw that. I saw that tweet yesterday. There you go, early adopter. Anyway, sorry to distract you, but go ahead. Yeah, no, it's fine. Um, so yeah, Achara looks like he's, you know, I saw him do some some crazy keep ups and a turnaround volley. Like he he's looked like he's getting there. So I wouldn't okay. be surprised as soon as this. You know, I think he needs to sit out at least four more MLS matches. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him sometime. I'd say in like in June or July. Um, Sweet. Obviously, Eric Sangarito still has about four weeks left to recover from his groin surgery. Uh, Julian Dunn, we don't know what the status there. And the, the last one on the injury report is Alejandro Pozuelo, which of course is is the big one. And the reigning MVP's absence will be another huge um, loss, I guess, to navigate past. Uh, mm-hmm. What I will say is, is he is getting closer. Like he was doing a week ago, he was doing significant dry land training, sort of on the same kind of 
path is Chris Mavinga. Um, okay. he's, I don't know if he's back training with the club. I believe he is. Um, he's on the roster. That, he's on he, the CCL roster. He, he's on the CCL very, roster, very but he, I don't know if he's on the 23-man roster. Okay. He's probably on the, the larger roster, which, I mean, every club has to submit. Um, but I'm not sure if he's on that match day roster. I didn't see that tweet that people are referring to. I could be wrong about that. But it could just be a matter of, you know, if, if there was a chance that he does, you know, play then he would he would be there because tfc okay. have to submit that within 44 hours i believe so maybe he's, he's like he was kind of on the fringe and again you don't really want to take that risk with the reigning mvp and who knows right you know, that, that strain so this just could be gamesmanship like oh no pause is coming back and then he doesn't perhaps but but Charles maybe Harris, it's chris yeah. armis in the media did a little bit of gamesmanship saying pozuelo's mm-hmm. out although he hasn't done that yet so far so um I, I wouldn't yeah, bet on Pozuelo making an appearance tonight. <laughs> I really wouldn't bet on that. Uh, uh, we got asked, what's his injury? It's a it's a thigh concern, right? A, a thigh yeah. strain? Is, is the, okay. strain. Yeah, thigh, thigh. strain, I, I believe. Um, he suffered it April 1st against the Columbus Crew in their last preseason match. So mm-hmm. you never know with injuries like that. Sometimes it can take like four to six weeks. So we'll see. We'll see what, yeah. what happens there. Um, I've been saying, according to Ollie. Pozuelo is available for tonight. Uh, perhaps, perhaps, you know, like, yeah. uh, again, he, he might be on that 23 man roster, but when it comes or down it could to be me, his, or it could be his brother, like Julian Pozuelo or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, when, it, when it comes down to it, he might not be on that 18, 18 match, like actual squad. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who knows? Who knows? So if he does, <laughs> Hey, that would be a massive boost for Toronto FC. Um, but is this the game you really want to be risking pause coming back in? We're down 3-1 on aggregate. If he's not 100%, is it worth the risk? Obviously, we, we've talked about how much we want to win Champions League here. and Yes, yes. I and it know. supersedes all logic. I want that trophy. <laughs> yeah, like we still got a full season ahead of us. You never know what, what could happen if he's not 100%, I'm aware. right? I'm aware. Um, but, but yeah, let's, uh... let's talk about the injuries a little bit, Jeff, because... Mm. You were pretty adamant yesterday about TFC's inability to sort of handle injuries. It's just, it's just exhausting. It's exhausting. I'm exhausted. Uh, you know, the end of the day, uh, uh, you know, what we should really have Tej on so that he can sort of be the 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 median for us to sound off our hot takes on each other. But to me, you know, when people say, "Well, the sports science department is doing their job," because uh, everybody's getting healthier, and this is this is not really a, a shot against you. It's a shot against that that line of thinking. People are going to get healthier whether they have a medical support staff or not. That's, that's I don't think that was I don't think that was really the point, Jeff. I think well, it was well, more so me, new people mm-hmm. haven't been added. It's not more so people are getting healthier, and that's fair. It's about that's new fair. people haven't been added, right? That's fair, but but you know. For me, and, and Tej said this in our, I, it, it always comes back to pause. He left the field uh, healthy at the no, end of last season. That's not true. And, well, you, you know, he's playing injured, but let's. He said let's, he said in his post-media, like his end of season press conference, he picked up a leg injury and he was playing through that. Listen, I, I don't think the sports science department deserves our trust and deserves any plaudits and deserves any, no. uh, uh, you know, uh, hand-waving. Uh, and I see, I see it too often. And, you know, I got back from a long day at work yesterday 
And, uh, you know, the thought of going into the Azteca with strong language and, and half a sandwich, you know, because it's essentially bringing a knife to a gunfight. And, and CCL is important to me. And, uh, you know, it, I, it, it's time to start throwing some elbows because this is starting this is starting to feel a bit endemic. These these soft tissue injuries and and then out come the, you know, the usual parade of excuses. And now they've been. They've been exponentially raised by by pandemic, which is which is valid. I mean, all of these excuses are valid. But at what point do we start saying, you know, you guys, this is a professional sports club and this the 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 the, the infrastructure are supposed to be working professionals. And this is this is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. I don't know if now is the time, because like you said yesterday and like I just said myself, there are a lot of variables to consider. We've had three home games and played in three separate stadiums. We're not playing in our in our home pitch. Training is interrupted. We're we're living through a pandemic. The 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 the, not, the, the margins have to be greater. But you know, it's it it's still you know, there are days where it feels like the same old, same old, same old. And, and you know, it's it, there's just all of this hand waving going on and, and, mint and to examples plucked from the ether about why we're no different. But here we are, you know, and, and, and you know, at the end of the day, it's unacceptable to me. I don't the, you name me a team that's competitive when, with one third of their starters out on ice perpetually. It, it just doesn't wash, you know, I'm dead. I know you you disagree with me, so I <laughs> we'll just leave it uh, at that. But. I'll, I'll let you finish there, but here's what I'll 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 add to that is mm -hmm. preseason. I mean, I wrote an article about this. I this isn't something that I I haven't seen. You know, this is a narrative that's been going around Toronto FC for as long as you know we can think mm -hmm. back to at this point, right? Exactly. But as Colin's pointing out in our in our chat, there's a new sports science group. There's a new team that's coming hold on there's a new team that's coming in there so mm -hmm. there's that that they're they're dealing with obviously preseason chris armis told us that the transition wasn't the best at the club like were people checking in on on the guys as new staff are coming in who was the people doing that obviously yes you would expect a new new team to be able to handle that but in my opinion you got to give this team also a, a kind of a clean slate you can't really tack them on to the previous three years of toronto fc because it is a new team there so there's that also covid is a real thing covid's a very real factor I'm, I'm, that, I'm interrupted, for it. that interrupted tfc's training camp and when you have a training camp that gets interrupted who knows what that does like none of us have, have hope i mean like, i hope that none of us yeah. have been through and experienced what covid's like we don't know who got covid we don't know you know what else is going to be going down there in that training camp especially when when the, the start of the season nobody knew when the start of the season would be there was negotiations that were happening up until the the very last week there of february where People are trying to figure out when this actual start of the season would be. So then you have Chris Armis coming in and you have Chris Armis's new style of play coming in. Michael Bradley told us what kind of, what kind of intensity Chris Armis is offering in training. He said it was a 26 out of 10. That was Chris Armis's first day. Right. And at the end of the day, if that's who Chris Armis is, you have to start implementing that at a certain time. That has to be in preseason. That's just the way it is. And people's bodies will adjust to that. Obviously, it's it's also, 
You know, did they mess up at the start of the season? Perhaps, yes. A lot of those injuries were preceding injuries, were injuries that were happened before Chris Armas arrived, like Achara, like Julian Dunn, like um, there was another one, Io Akinola. Like those injuries were already, some of them already did happen, so Chris Armas can't really do anything about that. But there have been knocks that the team has picked up in training. That being said, Chris Armas was open about saying how it's an art and it's a science to balancing the injuries. There, he was saying that it's a learning process, and I think so far the team has learned um, about when. About when do the... we stop, Mike? Mike, I agree with everything you said, and and COVID changes the metrics entirely. Like, I'm not going to pause at that. But when is when when do we start? Like, because it you know, it, it may be historical bias. It, it certainly is. But but when when is enough enough? Like, there'll never be a perfect time. You know, you could, it doesn't have to be right now. And, and, you know, again, this is dangerous. This is a dangerous line of questioning because COVID changes everything, but if taking COVID out of the equation, you know, there's, ne- there will always be an outgoing administration. There will always be injuries. There will always, you know what I mean? There will always be variables that need to be accounted for. And this hand waving away, these are paid professionals. It's not good enough. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, it's not good enough. There are other teams in MLS that are just as injured as they are, but they're not missing their reigning MVP, and they don't change the goalposts on 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 injury rehabilitation as often as our as our team does. There, there's something rotten in the state of Denmark, and and you know, it 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 it, it again, you know, it, this is not the time to have this conversation because COVID. I appreciate that. But well, it's not, it's not have... just that. It's also Alejandro Pozuelo has been one of TFC's healthiest. He played. He was the first player in franchise history to appear in every single match last season. I agree. I agree. That the first player in franchise history to appear in every single match. And then he picked up a thigh strain in a preseason game. Not even a training session. A preseason game. Are you going to rush Pozuelo back? It's just, if he says... like, Well, who made, who made the decision... You just, you just. I think it's a combination listened. of both Pozuelo but, but, and the training staff. But Mike, you just sort of made my argument for me. You said this is the first time in history any TFC player has played every game of the season. Who mm-hmm. made the decision to play him every game of the season? Because Last that season? obviously, yeah, because that obviously led to his injury, right? Something is not working here. Well, I mean, it's a fatigue-based injury, so the fact that he played every game, causality would suggest. I'm not, you know, I'm not a trained medical professional, but at the end of the day. You know, those two things have a but very, very like. Can they, injuries can injuries there. happen without fatigue? Can injuries happen? Of course, just you, do, but you don't. But place? you don't. But you don't dance with the devil. You don't dance with the devil. I mean, listen. You know, he played every game last season, and it's wonderful, and it's a great stat. But now he's injured, so the question has to be asked. But he got injured in preseason. Need... Well, because like three months listen. later, <laughs> four listen. months later, listen. If you you can't ignore the causality of that, like he like uh, none. But we don't we don't know about the injury. We don't know like how it happened. Nope. We don't even. I'm gonna, we don't know I'm the build up to that. But if I'm going to speculate, I'm not going to hand wave away the fact that he's injured. And he like I'm not going to eliminate that variable from my debate. It's it's a necessary factor that contributes to why he may be dealing with an injury right now. You know what I mean? Like not. I think there's a lot of a lot of different factors that could have gone into it. That could okay, have been four, one. Four months, uh, being uh, having his nutrition and his 
fitness monitored by our very expensive sports team, you know, again, and he's injured. So, so somebody that is making a lot more money than I make made it, made it a horrible decision with millions of dollars worth of talent or they didn't, but, but because we don't know, but if there's even the, the outside possibility that they did, that question needs to be asked. And, and the hand waving is, is exhausting because I want to win CCL and I want my team to put their best foot forward and and i'm, I'm i hear that I, I hear that i hear that but as you know sahar is saying in the chat here but then what why are we trying to rush him back what what if he re-injures himself because like we don't we don't know but You're right we don't we, know but they but know why are we but what but do they because we're injured all the damn time i don't think they know anything i think they're I think they're guessing the same way we are, and the, and we're paying them to guess. I would much rather replace them with people that we're not paying to guess because the proof is in the pudding. Man. But they literally not, did replace half the people there this season. They literally well, did see. that. Let's see. Let's see. That's what I'm saying. Because okay. so far they've done the last two weeks. They've done their job. They've prevented okay. injuries the last two weeks. Let's see how it goes moving forward. But I agree, it wasn't the best start for this team. But like I said, mm. like a lot of factors, including COVID, which I know you don't like to give up fact, but it's a real thing. No, COVID no I, is give a it. Real I give it. I give you all the credence for COVID. I, I'm saying that I absolutely agree with you and it's changed everything and that it should be taken into a immeasurable account. And that's why having this conversation <laughs> puts me at a disadvantage, but I'm still going to play devil's advocate here because I don't, I don't like all yeah. this hand waving. I don't like it. It feels like it, you know, it feels like excuses now. And, you know, well, we got a new medical team. They're, they're trained professionals. <laughs> part, part of their job should be stepping in and picking up the slack of a previous medical team. So when we say we've got to give them the benefit of the doubt for this and the benefit of the doubt for that, you know, when do we start saying, no, actually, we're going to hold your feet to the coals because you have a certain responsibility. And by and large, you're not by and large, we're talking about your failures. So you're not it's not good enough. That's just what I'm saying. And, and I'm willing to eat crow, but you know, if, if the same thing happens with this shiny new medical team, you know, then real, real, real difficult questions need to be start needed to be asked because Agreed. we're, yeah, but it should have exactly. been asked like four weeks ago. But anyways, <laughs> Richard say, I'm not Why'd convinced there are, there are people who are making one. Have you seen Jeff's kit collection? Oh my God, Richard. <laughs> I and, didn't buy. I didn't order custom Legos from like every reseller on the planet to make my PM. <laughs> yeah. That's anyway, so let's funny. stop this. I love, um, I love you, Mike. Yeah. It, no, no, no. It's, it's a great debate. As as yeah, people yeah. are saying, it's a great debate. Um, I just like last point. Like you're saying, if pause playing all the games last year led to the injury of Sahar saying here, I'm not. Shouldn't I'm we, not shouldn't we be? That. I thought you said that. No, but I'm saying to ignore the potential for causality. So shouldn't insane. we be more careful this time around? I would say so, judging by recent history that maybe, you know, judging from the fact that he's injured now, you don't expect him to play every game once he gets back. That to me is common sense. I don't think that that's, you know, okay. obviously there. You know, okay, let's, let's move on. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, I like that conversation. I like, you know, everyone else in the chat was engaged. We see all of your comments. We appreciate yeah, we that. See Except um, the ones that call me an idiot because uh, yeah. I can't read those ones. <laughs> this is a this is a very very long show. Sophia, our pretty we we appreciate you bearing with us. Um, mm. 
we have we have we barely even talked about Cruz Azul TFC tonight. One one point <laughs> I just quickly want to make on that is Cruz Azul is entering this match undefeated, and I think their last seventeen matches in all competitions. Mm-hmm. So ridiculous. We know the stage has been set for tonight. We know what TFC needs to do. They need to go out into the Azteca, one of the most famed stadiums in all of world soccer, and they need to try and figure out a way to score three goals. They've yep. done. So they've they've found success at the Azteca in the past. Obviously, it was the one-one against Club America. I think in the semifinals of the Concacaf Champions League in 2018, when they made that miraculous run. Um, mm-hmm. And on that on that day, that goal scorer, guess who it was? That was Jonathan Osorio, and he's back tonight. He scored the last back, two. Baby. He scored the last two TFC matches. You know, he only managed to play about 50 minutes last time out. He's now got a full week of training under his belt. We accept, we expect a little bit more Jonathan Osorio tonight. In terms of the lineup, as, as Nicholas is asking here in the chat, uh, TFC is going to put out a more veteran side is what I've been told. Okay. Is that, they, you know, I, I don't know if we'll see. We'll still see, see, like, I'm sure a few kids. I'm sure Ralph Priest will, might find his way into that, and I'm sure Jacob Schaffelberg might play a role. Yeah, but I don't know. and Luke Singh. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know if we have too much depth there in terms of the kids. Um, and one more comment I just want to bring up very quickly is this is what Oliver's tweet was. Uh, thank you, Ivan, here for putting it in the chat. So the mm-hmm. registered squad to, for, for TFC Live, which was today, obviously, um, they're mm-hmm. going to be missing Achara, Griffin Dorsey, Julian Dunn, Erickson, Ga- er- Erickson Gallardo, Jaquil Marsharuti, Jordan Perusa, Jefferson Soteldo, and, and Pozuelo is apparently on the roster. Here's what I say about that quickly, is that there's a 23-man match roster that TFC have to submit. If you mm-hmm. know you're not playing, they only have, what, 28 guys on their roster right now. If you know yeah. you're not playing five of those guys, you're going to throw everyone else on the roster just in case. Because, you know, they don't have to play everyone who's named to that roster. So, yeah. um, you know, TFC have a lot of depth there at striker. People are asking about Jordan Peruzzo. Well, I mean, they don't really need Jordan Peruzzo right now on the roster because they have Isn't so much Isn't he injured right now? Didn't he also? <laughs> I, mean, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't see his name on the injury report. So okay, okay, good. good. I don't know. If, I don't know if he's injured. Um, um, but he's yeah. he's not on the roster because TFC got Josie Altidore and Io Akinola back, right? And then they have Patrick Mullins. Why would you throw another striker onto that roster? That's just it's surplus of the resources there. Take, so that really take doesn't Josie make sense. and Ao off. You got Patrick Mullins. We're good. Um, <laughs> is there is there going to be fans in the in the Azteca tonight? Do we know that? Uh, I heard there wasn't. I heard there wasn't going to be fans. Then, there, then, we're is, with a, then we're in with a puffer's chance. If there is, it'll be very limited. But yeah, yeah. It, I mean, if there's no fans, it, it. I think. I think it. It really works in our advantage because mm-hmm. uh, that uh, that place is intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> was, Anyways, like really I've said at the beginning of, mm-hmm. of the episode, I think I smell some magic in the air tonight, folks. Um, it's, I think this is a good place to sort of wrap up. We've gone super sure. long and I get, yep. thank you to Sophia for, for joining us and, and bearing with us today. Uh, and thank you thank for you Mitch for, for, for ditching us. Letting us, yeah. letting yeah. us get into, uh, so even getting into a rip, guys, rip worst friend. Good time. Yeah. His worst friend. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have Mitch yeah. as our mediator. So we just able, we're able to go back and forth at each other. Hey, it created some good yep. content guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. 
Yeah, so on that note, you know, hopefully TFC bring this home tonight. We'll be rooting for them. Remember, late start, 10.15 p.m. Thank you, Luke Wildman, for joining us, of course. Luke was an awesome guest. We'll blame him for this show going long because his stories are, <laughs> are amazing. And we'll see everybody tonight. You know, we're doing our live thread on Wake in the Red, so make sure you guys stay tuned for that. And thank you guys once again for, for being in the comments. You guys were very lively today. And yeah. We really, really, yeah. really appreciate it. really, really that. appreciate it. It engages us. We, we feed off it. It gives us energy. So it's Exactly. Fun. And hopefully, hopefully the Reds feed off that tonight as well. So on that note, um, this thank you, Footy Talks, for, for you know, producing us again. And, and we'll see you guys next week. Uh-huh.